0: What identifies you and me as a believer, as a Christian? There's got to be some kind of recognition, some kind of badge, some kind of uniform. Can it be the love of Jesus in you?
1: In 2 Chronicles chapter 20, the Israelites faced a dire situation as the vast enemy army was coming to destroy them. But God had another plan of deliverance and victory. Today, Pastor Morris takes us back to that seemingly hopeless situation and through the power of God's Word, tells us how we can overcome life's trials by placing our faith in Jesus and letting Him fight the battle for us. Let's join the congregation of the Largo Community Church for the message, A Place Called Victory.
0: Normally, we think of victory as something that is achieved. We win the victory. We achieve the victory. We fought and won the victory. This is our normal thinking. Or the team won. And uh, the ball team, Uh, we have the victory. Our team is victorious. Well, victory is that indeed. It is something that is won. It is something that is achieved. But victory is also a place. We can live in victory This is God's promise to us, and many of you are experiencing that victory. I'm going to talk about that. That's the two main points of my outline. Victory is achieved. Victory is a place. But before I go on, I want to say that the word palm, P-A-L-M, just like this, this palm here that you see, the word palm is a synonym for the word victory. It's also a symbol of victory. Oh, I put these palms here. They may stay here indefinitely. They may only be here for a while. But I want you to know that because of Jesus, who won the victory, you and I can have victory. And we need to continually have something to remind us that we are a victorious people. Amen. We're not a defeated family, a defeated people. But of uh, overcoming people, all because of Jesus. I want you to think about it with me today. I, I pray that your mind won't wonder, uh, that it will go to the cookout this afternoon or to the party or wherever you whatever you're going to do. I pray that you will think of Jesus and the decoration that He proudly, in all humility, uh, wears uh, for us. Now Palms are also uh, connected with Jesus and related to Jesus. We know this story or the incident of Palm Sunday, how that when he went into Jerusalem riding the little donkey that the people took the palms and they waved them in celebration of the king. And they sang the Hosannas because their king was coming. A week later is when he was judged and crucified. But here's the thing that, that sometimes staggers my, humili- my mind with humiliation and with praise. The people and Jesus were celebrating the victory before he had the victory. He celebrated a week before he died and rose from the dead. They were celebrating as though it were already done because in heaven and in the heart of Jesus, his love was so great, it was already accomplished. He was celebrating and the people were celebrating. And then a week later, he goes to Calvary carrying our sins in his own body and he is crucified and he cries out, It is finished. But before he said, It is finished, he celebrated. And the people celebrated. What a Savior. He knew why he had come. He said, for this purpose I came into the world. And whether it's after I say I finished or before I say it is finished, we will celebrate your salvation and the redemption that has been given to you freely from the Lord Jesus Christ. In Psalm 129, Jesus is prophesied as the one who... The plowmen have plowed deep furrows on his back. He wears the scars. He will always wear the declaration of scars. Scars are usually ugly things. Scars are something that we want to correct and do away with. We want to cover up. But Jesus wears the scars for us. When he arose from the dead, that very evening the disciples were in an upper room with the doors closed and the doors locked for fear of the Jews because they knew what had happened to their Savior and they were frightened that it was going to happen to to them also. Uh, The Jews were making an effort to stamp out Christianity before Christianity was even called Christianity. And so they gathered in the upper room, the disciples, and bolted the door and that very evening, Jesus rose, arose from the dead in the morning on Easter day. We'll call it Easter day. But Easter evening, he appears to the disciples. The first thing he says to the disciples, peace be to you. And then the second thing he said, see my scars. Look at my scars. I pray today that in my heart and yours and in our mind, we will see the scars, the price that he paid. Well, the disciples were so overjoyed; they knew beyond a doubt that they were loved with an everlasting love. Well, Thomas was absent. Friend, it's a it's it's a dangerous thing to be absent. <laughs> Thomas was absent. They, they were so excited. And they told Thomas. Thomas says, "I hear what you're saying, but I just can't accept it." I just can't accept it. I I can get it up here, but I I really can't believe that he, he came and appeared. Unless I can see the scars. Unless I can see the scars. Again, friend, listen. Unless I can see the scars. Put my hand in that scar. Put my hand in his side. I'll not believe. I just can't believe. Well, seven days later, again on the first day of the week, again on Sunday Jesus appeared in the upper room and Thomas was present. And Jesus walked over to Thomas and said, put your your finger in my scars. Put your hand in my side. Look at my brow. I'm going a little bit beyond. Look at my feet. Look at my scars. He's identified by his scars. Friend, listen. What identifies you and me as a believer, as a Christian? There's got to be some kind of recognition, some kind of badge, some kind of uniform, something that sets you apart and distinguishes you. Can it be the love of Jesus in you? The caring love of Jesus, the sacrificing love of Jesus. Can it be? That's the only badge that we can wear. And that's the badge that Jesus wore. And that's the message Of the scars. Thomas saw the scars. Now also we go to Revelation chapter 1 verse 7. It talks about Jesus coming back again someday. He's coming in the clouds of glory. And the Jews, the scripture says, Revelation chapter 1 verse 7, They shall look upon him whom they pierced. They pierced. The Jews pierced. Well, I know the Romans drove the nails, but the Romans drove the nails because the Jews insisted and they pierced him with their hearts, with their mind, with their anger, with their hate. They pierced him. Friend, what I'm trying to say today, God's love never fails. God's love exists forever. And the scars that Jesus took for you and me will never heal they will never be covered over. And throughout all eternity, one million years, two million years, however long Jesus lives, he will carry that ugliness. No, he will carry that beauty in his body. He achieved the victory. That victory he achieved, he gives the benefits To you and me, it's like these dear ones that stood just a moment ago—men and women in the military—they're there for us. They did it for us. Jesus did it all for us. Now we live in the with the benefits of what those men and women did. We live now in the benefit, enjoying the benefit of what Jesus did for us at Calvary. Jesus achieved something. He gives, this achievement, he gives it to us. He carries the scars that reveals the price that he paid, and he gives it to us. The scars, again, are his decoration. That's his decoration. He wears it clearly. Now, in 1 in, uh, Chronicles chapter 14, verse 5, David was leading the people, the armies of Israel into war against the Philistines. The Philistines wanted to stomp out Israel. David prays to the Lord, shall we we take up armor? Shall we fight? Shall we go into battle? And God spoke directly to David's heart and said, yes, go into battle. And then God gave him the strategy. Friend, if we'll only listen. If we'll only listen. Now, God says, David... When you hear the marching in the balsam trees, I want you to move out. Move your army out. When you hear the rustling, the marching, there's an army. It's the army of God. And God said to David, God is going out in front of you. And David went out and won the battle. Now, this is what Jesus did. Even before we were born, he went out in front of us. He went ahead of us, preparing for us. He walked up Calvary's hill. He died on that cross. He got everything ready, knowing that someday, even 2,000 years from now, each one of you and me were going to be born into this world sinners, and we needed help and deliverance out of that sinful state. And we couldn't achieve the victory ourselves. So Jesus came out front, ahead of us, way ahead of us, and prepared the way for us that we might be forgiven and healed and delivered of all of our sins. And then he gives to us the results of Calvary. He gave to you and me The results of what he did at Calvary, the results of those scars that he has in his hand. Now, the result is victory. A moment ago, I said, Victory is a place. Victory is a place where you and I are to live. And, friend, I I, I want you to know God doesn't want you to be a defeated Christian, He wants you to live in victory. But I know there are battles, and I know there are temptations and circumstances that are contrary to our happiness. We we, we can't live in this world long until we we learn that. But even with all of that, all of those problems and difficulties and, and circumstances that are contrary, we can live in victory in the midst of the battle. Why? Jesus went out front of us. We can live now by following him and seeing Calvary and focusing on the stars, scars. Yeah, they are stars, aren't they? (laughs) The scars have become stars. And seeing the victory uh, and experiencing the victory. Now, when I said a moment ago, on Palm Sunday, they waved the palms a week ahead of time. He hadn't been crucified. He hadn't been condemned. He hadn't gone into Gethsemane. He hadn't drunk the cup. But it was as good as done. Now, and he celebrated. Now, the victory perhaps hasn't come to you yet. You have been praying for a healing, a, a deliverance, a, a, a spiritual divine intervention. And it hasn't happened yet. But what we are to do, we're to take the poems and to begin to celebrate now, knowing that the victory is a coming ahead. It's right up front. If we will celebrate now, we will guarantee the victory is going to come and the prayer is going to be answered. Yes, we will testify, we will sing, and we will acknowledge God's blessing when it comes. But knowing that we serve a God that hears and answer's prayer, a God that performs the impossible, a Jesus that says, only believe all things are possible, knowing that, Deep down in our heart, we can say, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death and all hell, hell is against me, I can celebrate because I know I have a Redeemer who has redeemed me and I have the benefits of that redemption. And I'm enjoying it today. It's in my heart now. In in Daniel chapter 6, Daniel was put in the lion's den. You remember the story from Sunday school days? The king, uh, Darius, had uh, put out a decree, prompted by his advisors. You need to be careful who you talk to and who you listen, and who you listen to. They said, and, and, and Darius loved Daniel. Daniel was his friend. He respected him. He had no idea that these people were plotting against Daniel. They said, if anybody prays to any other god or any other person other than you, O king... Let him be thrown into the lion's den. Well, this is another sermon for another time, but I'll move ahead quickly. They put Daniel in the lion's den. The king couldn't renege on on, uh, the decree. It was the law, the bees, and the Persians. And they put him in the lion's den. Well, the king couldn't sleep all night long. But the king said to Daniel, Daniel, you have a God. You have a God that you serve. You have a God that's going to take care of you. Friend, sometimes the unbeliever can tell the Christian, you are a Christian. You are saved. You shouldn't act and behave that way. That's what this this heathen was telling the believer. You have a God that's going to take care of you. And the scripture says the king couldn't sleep all night long. And the next morning he got up at daybreak. And he goes to the lion's den. And before he looks into the lion's den, he gets way back and he hollers, Daniel. But basically he was saying, are you you alive? Are you there? Did your God save you? The God you serve? Did he save you? And he waited for an answer. And the answer came, oh, king, live forever. (laughs) God sent an angel. (laughs) God made those lions into like little newborn puppies. (laughs) See, Daniel walked into that lion's den with victory in his heart. He walked in with full assurance that God was with him. And indeed, God was there. Think of Paul and Silas in jail. All because they cast a demon out of a girl that told fortune Tell, She's a fortune teller, told fortunes and The income was taken away from the men who who really owned that girl. They put Paul and Silas in jail. Now, Paul and Silas didn't go in there defending themselves and, and jumping up and down and saying, Listen, listen,
1: I have my rights.
0: You can't do this to me. I'm a Roman citizen, not because I bought my citizenship, but because I was born a Roman citizen. I'm a Jew, but I was born in Tarsus. I'm a Roman citizen. He didn't say a word, neither did Silas. They didn't go in there stomping and demanding and didn't get inside there and scream and holler and rattle the bars, let me out of here. You are unjust. You've done me wrong. Let me out of here. No, you know what they did? They started singing songs. It was a duet, Paul and Silas. (laughs) One sang bass, the other sang tenor maybe. I don't don't know. (laughs) But they began to rejoice and then instead of them rattling the bars, an angel came down and rattled the bars and shook the whole jail to the extent that the doors opened up. Listen, friend, let God open the doors. Look to him. He'll make the way. He'll send an angel, whatever it takes. So you are in a trial. You're going through a hard place. It is a difficult time. But don't get too excited. Don't pity yourself. Look to the Lord and take the poem, not literally maybe, but in your heart begin to wave praises to the Lord who's going to take you through and bring you out on the other side. There there was a lady that uh, she was a member of another church And she went into surgery. You know, you have to take your rings off and your your watch and everything else, all jewelry, you have to take everything off. But she took a nickel, a five-cent piece, and she put it in the palm of her hand and the side that says, in God we trust, she put that and pushed it right into the palm of her hand and just closed her hand. Nobody noticed that she had that, but she said it was a very difficult surgery. It was a life-threatening surgery. It was such a... Situation that she may have never come in, came off the operating table, but she went in with calm in her heart. she went in like like Daniel went into the lion 's den, like Paul and Silas went into jail. she went into the operating room, trusting in God, trusting in god I, I feel like i 'm not going to do it, but I feel like I would like to have everybody here to bow your heads and to pray that burden that difficulty that battle that war that is going on to pray it into God's hand and to trust the Lord and to begin to shout the praises and thanksgivings to God now for the victory that is going to come friend it's coming tomorrow next week next year it's going to come trust in the Lord believe in God whatever the difficulty whatever God is here to bless and to help you the scripture tells us that Jesus and Peter owed the temple tax. Now, the temple tax was a shilling. And every man, 20 years old and over, needed to pay the temple tax annually, which was a half shilling. So Jesus says to Peter, I want you to take your rod, uh, not this kind of rod, I want you to, a a gun, I I want you you to take the rod that you cast out. And uh, I want you to go down. There's a fish out there that's got the money in his mouth. He's not going to get it in his mouth. He's already got it in his mouth. That's what I'm trying to say. The answer is already there. Praise God for it. So Peter went down, cast out. Sure enough, there was the shilling. He paid his share, paid Jesus' share. Now, I know this afternoon there's going to be a run on Walmart buying fishing rods. (laughs) (laughs) But friend, God has an answer. His answer is not always the same as everybody else's answer, but He has an answer. Let's praise Him for the answer even before we get the answer. Anybody can shout after you get all the bills paid, after you become completely well and are healed, after everything is okay, oh, thank God He got me out of that. Thank God before He gets you out of that. Then He'll get you out of that.
1: God has the answer to your situation today. And even if it seems there is no way out and defeat is imminent, trusting and believing that He is with you has already taken care of the problem and will set you on a path of overcoming victory and true joy in life. God's with you right now, so take your concerns and worries to Him through prayer. We hope today's healing word has been a blessing and has encouraged your faith in God to grow. We invite you to email Pastor Morris directly at at com and share your blessing or send a prayer request and Pastor Morris will pray for you. When you email, be sure to mention the date of today's program and we will send you a link that you can use to download an audio copy of the message free of charge. And friends. We invite you to join us in worship this Sunday at either the 9 o'clock or 11 o'clock service to experience a wonderful fellowship of believers and faith-building messages based on God's Word that is sure to encourage your faith and spiritual formation in Christ. Infant care is provided, and there are Sunday school classes available for all ages. So why not join us this Sunday? The church is located at 1701 Enterprise Road in Bowie, Maryland. For more information, visit our website at largocc.org. Be sure to tune in Monday at the same time for another edition of The Healing Word. Until then, blessings on you.